Welcome to The Memoir, where host Bobby Goldie self-reflects on the chapters of her life. She's persevered through cancer, depression, addiction, adoption, poverty, and abuse. These are just a few obstacles she's battled through and is sharing her struggles and successes as a reminder, we are not broken. We are just human. Now here's your host, Bobby Goldie. Hello, everyone. It's Bobby Goldie with The Memoir. Thank you so much for listening. I cannot believe I'm on my sixth episode already. It seems like I just started yesterday. And honestly, the feedback has been absolutely fabulous. It's been extremely overwhelming. I continue to hear positive things and how I should keep going. So thank you. And also, please, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to my podcast, sign up for the newsletter, and if you use any Apple products, I would be forever grateful if you would rate and review. And then lastly, share. Share my website, share the podcast, share the links, share it on social media. Uh, My email address is extremely easy, bobbygoldie.com. And the reason I ask for all these is because I'm doing this on my own and I'm really sharing some crazy personal stuff with folks. So the feedback and support really helps me to continue to know that this is worthwhile for people and I should keep doing it. And that me talking all the time isn't crazy annoying to everybody. So please, if you could do that, I would be forever grateful. And I know this episode is a bit delayed And you can imagine why uh, finding a lump under my arm on New Year's Day really threw me for a loop. It rocked my world. And it's been a little bit tough to to find my my safe place uh, where I feel like I'm I'm okay and the the results are all going in the right direction. I'm almost done with this. And because of that, it's been delayed not only because of that, but because this episode is actually about my cancer diagnosis from four years ago. So it brings up a lot of crazy stuff in my head that I've kind of forgot about. So, but I commit to everybody that I'm going to get this back on track and there will be an episode every two weeks. This again is an episode about my breast cancer diagnosis that I received four years ago. And what I've realized is Certain people aren't comfortable sharing, even if they have cancer, let alone the actual diagnosis. And for me, the diagnosis is pretty tough because there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknown and waiting around and you don't know what's going on. And sometimes that can be very stressful on people. So I thought it would be great to actually share my journey down my diagnosis path because it was crazy, as you can imagine, and everybody's cancer story is completely different. So I wanna share this with you and a couple things. It's pretty long uh, because I am sharing all sorts of things while I share the diagnosis and the journey we went down. But also, I have a very, very special guest doing this with me. So it's gonna be a little bit different than you listening to me Speak and speak and speak and speak and speak uh, till your ears start ringing. So my special guest is my husband, my best friend in the whole wide world, Greg. And cancer is not an individual disease. It is a family disease. 
and it affects everybody involved and it affects everybody differently. It also brings about a lot of trauma for individuals, not just the person being diagnosed, but friends and family as well. And the memories are very different from individuals because, you know, when I'm hearing things, my brain is going one way. And when Greg is hearing things, his brain is going a different way. So we thought it'd be pretty interesting for us to go through the different phases of our diagnosis and share what we remember. So if you like this, please let me know because we have lots of stories like this where our memories are a little bit different each time we go through it and the feelings we're feeling are a little bit different. So let me know and we'll keep going. With that, thank you for listening. I want to start with uh, the beginning. Greg and I were in Canada for about a year. We relocated because my company offered me an extremely amazing opportunity to move to Canada with the family for an, a really great role. And I was very, very excited about that role. While we were in Canada, I got word that my father was diagnosed with throat cancer. It hit me really, really hard. And uh, it was quick. And he didn't make it very long and he passed away. And I spent uh, quite a bit of time back in the U.S. caring for him and being in the hospital with him while he was going through this. And as you can imagine, it's tough when you're with a loved one that is going through a disease that you know there's an end to and there's, there's not much help for them. So I wanted to be there for my father and then also my mother. Now, fast forward six months later, my mother had to have quadruple heart surgery, quadruple bypass heart surgery, I should say. She was in the hospital doing really well and things went sideways and she actually died from a botched, very simple medical procedure. And I will definitely get into more details about that whole incident in another podcast. It's not here now, but I wanted to give you a little background. So again, in Canada for about a year, away from all my friends and family, my father dies of cancer. Six months later, my mother dies from a botched medical procedure. My world was rocked. It was extremely painful. And for the next six months, while I was finalizing their estates, getting rid of their belongings, looking to sell their house, I was just trying to mourn. I was trying to live. I was trying to breathe. I was trying to process. And it was really, really difficult. All while I'm in another country, I have two very little kids, a husband, and a full-time career. So I started to get to a place where I was very, it was very dark and deep, and I was attempting to mourn and survive all at the same time. And it was really tough, and I couldn't get myself back to like a level playing field. My mother's loss was especially tough to process, I, I think, because first of all, somebody said, when you lose your mom, it's all at a different level. And then when you lose your mom to something you didn't expect to lose her for, it really makes it even more difficult. So I'm in Canada and for me and my family, I really need to pull it together mentally and physically. So six months later, 
I decide I need to pull my big girl pants up on and I need to stop feeling sorry for myself. And if I'm going to get through this very trying time, I need to take the steps again, physically and mentally to take care of myself. And in Canada, they have universal health care, which is absolutely fabulous. I Whoever says it's not, um, I, I beg to differ and I will debate you on any stage because I experienced it firsthand. And in addition to universal health care, your company, if you, were, if you work for a company, they will provide certain top up benefits. So it's additional benefits on top of the benefits that you get from the government. So for me, I was an executive in Canada for my company and they provide you this annual physical. And it is a a long day. It's almost a full day of every kind of test that you can imagine. It's hearing, sight, it's ultrasounds on all your organs, it's stress tests, it's, uh, it's mammograms, blood work, everything you can imagine. It's the, and it's almost, again, the whole day. So it's a lot of testing. And for me, part of it, being a female, is a mammogram. I remember walking into the little uh, radio imaging room uh, to get my mammogram, and there was this absolutely fabulous woman from Nova Scotia, and she had an amazing strong accent, and she was sweet, and she made you feel absolutely comfortable just to be in the room with her. And so she starts taking my imaging, and she's like, hey, I don't want to alarm you or anything, and I, this is not not a big deal, but I see something that maybe the radiologist is going to ask for a few more images, so I have this competition where I try to give him the images before he even asks for them. He goes, so she said, I'm going to take a few more images, and then after this, what will happen is the radiologist will look at the images and then decide if you need additional ultrasound. So she made me feel really comfortable and I was totally cool with it. And so uh, I text Greg while I'm there and give him the heads up that, hey, here we go again. They need to do, they had to do additional mammograms and possibly an ultrasound. And we've been through this before because I have dense breast tissue and any female out there may have been through this before. And then also on my biological father's side, there is a string of cancer. So uh, folks tend to be a little bit more precautious with me because of dense breast tissue, as well as my biological father's family history of cancer. So text Greg, he doesn't respond. And I'm like, what the heck? Just FYI, I'm not freaked out or anything, but we like to share a lot and I'm not hearing from him. Or or wait, uh, that's funny. I, I probably am the overshare, not my husband, if anybody knows Greg. Anyways, so then they tell me that I get an ultrasound. So I'm in the ultrasound room. They're doing their little thing, taking some pictures. I get all done. And I text Greg again and say, hey, they wanted me to get an ultrasound. I haven't heard anything yet. Just wanted to give you the heads up. And there's still no responses from him. And I'm like, what the, what the, what the? It it was unusual. And 
I, I was a little irritated because I, I really wanted to hear from him, but I wasn't hearing from him. I proceed to go through the rest of the day not hearing from him. And by the end of the day, I go, I get to meet with one of the doctors and they kind of walk through all of the results and they give you a plan. Like if you, your sugar levels are off or your blood work is off or whatever it may be, they talk about next steps. Or if you have high cholesterol, which I do, uh, they talk about things that you can do to help your cholesterol. So I meet with the doctor. The doctor says, yeah, you're pretty healthy. It's you're good. And he then proceeds to say, hey, we saw something on your breast. We are pretty confident it's a broken blood vessel. There's no lump or anything. The ultrasound shows no lump, but in your mammogram, it looked like a broken blood vessel. So we want to be extra cautious because of your family history, and we want to send you for further testing. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to send me to a place, Princess Margaret Hospital, which I can't say enough amazing things about. They have a rapid diagnostic center and they wanted to send me there to get additional ultrasounds. And then if the doctors felt that based on the ultrasounds, I needed a biopsy, they would give me a biopsy shortly thereafter. So he continued to tell me not to worry. They don't think it's a big deal. It looks like a broken blood vessel. Don't worry about it. I text Greg while I'm in there. I hear nothing. And I'm, you know, what are my reactions right now? What are my reactions that I haven't heard from Greg? Uh, A little irritated. What are my reactions based on what the doctor just told me? Naturally, anybody that probably goes through something like this, unless you're like Superman or Wonder Woman, which I am extremely jealous about, you probably are going to be a little nervous. It's natural. So I was, I was a little nervous. I was uh, trying to process what the doctor said without overreacting, but I actually was still okay because again, I've been through this before, and so I didn't want to freak out for no reason. Why stress yourself out on the unknown? That's what I typically try to do. I try not to think forward, fast forward too far into the future and create worry when you don't need to. So I was pretty calm, but I was a little bit nervous. I get out of this building and I was in a big giant concrete office building that had like three floors for this medical center. So as soon as I get out, all the texts are coming through from my husband. (laughs) Obviously, I didn't have good cell service. And so I call him, I explain everything. And he, you know, is cool and calm, just like usual. I get on the subway and I go home to him. So... We were living in Canada, and after putting it off for three or four months, Bobby finally decided to take advantage of a full-day physical made available to her by her work. It was an awesome opportunity. A doctor's examination, blood work, ultrasound, mammograms, strength and agility profiles, the whole bit. But Bobby was in arguably the best shape of her life, so the only expected intrigue was how low her traditionally low blood pressure would be, followed by a Google search to remind us which was the bad cholesterol and which was the good. Never, and here I mean never, ever, 
would I have guessed that halfway through her day, Bobby would be nervously texting me over and over from this bunker of a building in downtown Toronto that just would not let those texts come through. Back home, I was reading a book that you should all look up called The Emperor of All Maladies. At the house, everything was calm. So, next steps. I call the hospital to set up an appointment to go for my ultrasound and possibly biopsy. And remember, we're in Canada. We've lived here for about a year. We did not know a soul when we moved there. And we have two kids and we have no family. And our friend base is very new to us, right? We're not really deep in with anybody at this time. I set the appointment up and it is at a time where the kids would be out of school. Greg is not able to come because we don't have anybody to care for the kids at this time. So he's worried. Greg is absolutely worried. He doesn't want me to go to the hospital to get the ultrasound by myself. I tell him, I'm a big girl. I can handle it. He pleads with me to find somebody to go with me. Lucky for him, I had a very dear friend from my office that I worked with, and I asked her if she would go with me, and of course she did, which was fabulous. So we go to Princess Margaret to the Rapid Diagnostic Center, and I want to give you a little bit of history on this Rapid Diagnostic Center. So there was a woman that uh, was very well off financially, And she got diagnosed with breast cancer. And part of her concern through this whole breast cancer journey and being diagnosed was the delays in every part of the diagnosis from the mammogram to the ultrasounds to the biopsy to the results of the biopsy and all of that. And so what she did is she donated a bunch of money to this hospital to create this center to help women get through the diagnosis a little bit quicker, which I was very grateful for. So this is a day, the day of the appointment that I remember like it was yesterday. And from this day forward, it seems like there's only a few of these moments such as this that I can remember that. There is a lot of blur and a lot that I feel like I've just blacked out on. But this day, I can truly remember it. We get on the subway. We go to the hospital. I get checked in. They send me to a locker room. My girlfriend comes in and they put her in this little waiting room in the back area. So she's not in the waiting room in the main area. She's got her laptop. I go in the locker rooms. They tell me to put this gown on. And this is the first time of many, which still today I'm dealing with is wear the gown in the front or the opening in the front. And it's funny because, again, I'm still going through, put the opening in the front. I put my gown on, put the opening in the front. I go in the waiting room next to her. And uh, there's other women coming in and out. And this is also the first time I started paying attention to feeling like I was the youngest person in the room with the gown on or the youngest patient at the cancer hospital, which is kind of crazy because this comes through my whole cancer journey every time thinking I'm too young to be going through this. 
<sighs> crazy. The ultrasound tech calls me back. My girlfriend's sitting there working away, head down on her laptop. And she explains to me the process. So she says, so what we're going to do is I'm going to take some pictures of you. And then I will print the pictures off. I will take them to the radiologist. They will examine the pictures and then... While they're doing that, you'll be in the waiting room. We'll call you back for a possible biopsy if we think it's needed. And if not, you'll just get dressed and go home. So I was like, okay, great. So she starts taking pictures of my breast. And all of a sudden, she grabs some images and walks out of the room. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're supposed to let me out of the room, I thought, to like, you know, go sit in the waiting room. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, maybe she just forgot. Maybe this is really rapid, right? They said it's rapid diagnostic. We are rapid. All of a sudden, a gentleman walks in. He grabs rubber gloves, whips on his rubber gloves, and he says, we're going to do a biopsy. And I'm still trying to process. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, this is not the process. And why are we, why are we moving so quickly? And so... He gets this little, first he does a needle, a little needle in me. He numbs me with the needle and then he does a little needle biopsy. And then he says he wants to do a core biopsy. So he pulls out this little gun and he starts like literally, it's like cocking the little gun. I can hear the little snapping of it. He whips my arm over my head. And and if you know me, you can imagine I'm literally whipping my arm over my head right now. And he proceeds to tell me he's going to take some samples. So he pops it in me and uh, he's got a very strong accent from another country. Uh, so it's hard to understand him a bit. And the the tech is saying, I can get you another device if you need. And he's like, no, 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 this device is fine. And and so he does it again and, and again. And I looked down and I, I had literally, and I, I so you saw, you, I shouldn't say you saw, you heard how my voice just moved away. That's because I was looking down at my breast while I was doing that because this is how I operate. Uh, and I'm looking down and there's blood all coming down my breast. And uh, I say to him, I'm okay if you need to get another gun. Just get another gun. I'm fine. And he says he's fine. So he proceeds to take a few more biopsies or make the gun work or something. And eventually I think he was successful. I have no freaking clue at this point. I am completely freaked out right now because this is more rapid than I expected. And then his device didn't work. So they tell me they're all done. They say that somebody will call me from the clinic or this section of the hospital and walk through next steps with me. And it'll be pretty quick. It should be in a couple days, which I could really appreciate so that I can, now I can go get dressed and I can leave. I walk out of the room. I walk into the waiting room where my girlfriend's sitting and her head's still stuck on her laptop. And I was like, wow, she is really diligent working away in here. But she looked like she saw a ghost. And I, I, I felt like I just saw death based on what I went through. So I proceed to go get dressed, tell her I'm all done. I'm going to get dressed and then we're going to go. So we're on the subway and we're catching up. 
And I asked her, what is going on? Why do you look this way? Uh, did something happen? And she, she says, Bobby, I am never going to be the same person again. There were so many older women in that room with their gowns open with the opening in the front that their breasts were to their knees. And I'm never going to get that image out of my head. And it was completely devastating. And of course, we just start laughing, 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 which I probably needed at that moment. And then she asked me how it went. And I told her, I told her that every bit of what I told you, and I proceeded to tell her that I was a little freaked out and that I wasn't expecting it to go that way. And she, of course, gave me a big hug and attempted to make me feel better, which I really needed at that moment. So I went home to my husband once again, and uh, I explained to him what happened. And he felt pretty horrible that he couldn't be there, which is not fair. It's not fair at all to him because we're doing the best we can in another country uh, where we've only lived here for about a year. So we are rocking it, in my opinion. And sometimes this is how life works. And sometimes people need to be grownups. And I needed to be a grownup and I needed to manage this on my own. So I did. We made the decision to move to Canada, put our house up for sale, cleaned out the basement and left for a new country all in three months. Bobby left after two months to start a new job. It was crazy. Bobby had lived in Wisconsin her whole life. In Wisconsin, there were lots of family and friends, lots of support, lots of ears to bounce things off of, lots of shoulders to lean on. In Canada, there was no one. But before Bobby's body and life was invaded by a small lump in her left breast, it didn't matter much. The kids went off to school, we explored our new city, Toronto is awesome, everyone, if you didn't know. We went up north a bit to Lake and Cottage Country. We missed family and friends, but life was very good. Now, we knew there was something lurking, but we didn't yet know what it was. Bobby was scheduled to go in for a biopsy. The kids were off from school that day, and we still hadn't figured out how to maneuver through all the moving parts and mysterious ways of the cancer hospital. We were about to know that cancer hospital intimately, but not yet. Luckily, by this time, Bobby had made a very good friend at work. Alia was and is an amazing person, and I was so grateful that she was there to help us out and take Bobby to the appointment. This was the first, but not the last time, that I sat at home feeling like a jerk for not being with my wife at the hospital. A few hours later, she was home. It had been a horrible, traumatic day for her, and I hadn't been there. I started feeling very angry at myself, but in a strange moment of clarity, I realized as I held her that this was not about me. It hadn't been yesterday, it wasn't today, and it most certainly wasn't going to be going forward. So since this was a very long journey for us, I'm going to end it here, and I really want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the dynamic between Greg and I. Part two is going to be out in a couple weeks. So please listen, and last but not least, of course, be a better person than you were yesterday. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Memoir. 
Let's work to remove the stigma of taboo topics. We only have on average 30,000 days on this earth, so let's make the best of our remaining days together. Get in touch with Bobby Goldie at B-O-B-B-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-E dot com and share your story.